0: When we went to the tarantula farm, this stopped being such a cool thing. <laughs> I, I mean, I knew you liked millipedes, but Jesus. Um. <laughs> Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan.
1: And I'm Justin.
0: So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the MTSU preview episode of Chapel Bell Curve. Today, we're going to be going over what we can expect from the game, what we want to see from the game, taking some of your questions in our Ask CBC uh, segment, and I'm sure doing predictions and over-unders as well. So, let's get into it. Um, subjective narratives.
1: Justin, go. Whew. Uh, 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 Come Uh, Coming um, in real hot today. You did. You just came straight into it. You didn't even talk about anything. uh. Yeah, so subjective narratives. Before we even got into subjective narratives, it's something I just got out of the way before we started recording. But did you see your beautiful boy's first play in the NFL? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I
0: did. Yeah, your I sweet, did. Sweet, sweet
1: Roquan boy. He cleaned
0: up after uh, Khalil Mack, man. It is unfair i mean chicago lost because
1: which is that's a crazy sentence can you say that that one sentence one more time <laughs> he cleaned up after khalil
0: mac and it's unfair yeah that's
1: a crazy sentence yeah
0: that is a clear crazy sentence but it it is unfair to have both of them in the f- same front seven i think personally it's
1: yeah that's that's pretty intense um even though they did end up losing that game but god it was so oof. yeah it doesn't matter it yeah. doesn't matter Anyway. But, uh, yeah, subjective narratives. Let's talk about college football. I just wanted to talk about Roquan for a minute.
0: Yeah, we're not going to be like Podcast Ain't Played Nobody, which is my favorite college football podcast that is not this podcast, just talking about freaking NFL.
1: They talk about whatever they want. Yeah. You can do that, though, when you're Bill Connolly.
0: Yeah, you can. But still, I wish they would stop talking about the NFL.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I read an article today, and I, it was the clickbaitiest article of clickbait articles. It was titled... Middle Tennessee had the perfect plan to upset Georgia. Really? And so I clicked on it. And so I looked into it, and I, I started reading, and the very first sentence was, Middle Tennessee shared its plan to beat Georgia on Monday, colon, play perfect. I mean... And then, sure, like, yeah, okay. That's great. Get it. But that's... It just goes on to talk about how, you know, uh, there's just, like, three quotes that they got from, like, Brent Stockstill and... Uh, Whoever his dad's name is, Brock, Brock and Brent, mm-hmm. which is like the best two names for a super sweet '70s cop team up movie. Brock and Brent still.
0: Uh, yeah, it's like, yeah. Uh, it's like, <laughs> like I'm the straight laced detective who's always doing it right, and I'm his dad, the loose cannon. <laughs> I actually think there's a show like that called The Good Cop coming out on Netflix soon that has somebody really, really random in it. Oh yeah, so the two main characters, it's a good cop who is a son who's like a very punctilious detective and then his dad who's like an ex-dirty cop who spent time in prison and the dad is Tony Danza and the son is Josh Grobin.
1: Huh? Yup. Yeah. Yes, that is 100% true. I like that you use the word punctilious and you didn't even skip a beat. I mean, that's
0: sort of my thing, man.
1: That is kind of your thing, you're right.
0: Yeah, I don't I, that's a little that is very clickbaity. Although I will say if you if you listen to uh yeah, if you listen to Stockstill the 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 senior talk about his uh this game he's actually very complimentary of georgia and i mean i think he knows what's going on here i mean they want to win and they're going to try to win but he talked about like how they want to play well in front of the quad in front of the uh what you call it and
1: also i'm sorry his name is rick not Brock. (laughs) rick's still pretty good rick's still very good but yeah, you're right. He does, he does, he's very complimentary. He's not rude by any means. He's yeah, not I mean, looking for the extra. He actually upset. kind
0: of played, uh, he paid UJ a little bit of a compliment. I was listening to uh, the AJC's UJ podcast today and uh, Dog Nation Daily, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how he had this whole thing about how like they had played at Alabama, but you know, they'd never been in a environment like this. And how, say, it was like Sanford at night, and it's going to be energetic and they're going to have like a whole day to get like juiced up and primed for the game and stuff. So it was pretty pretty uh pretty you know positive but yeah i mean basically that's what has to happen i mean in a game yeah. like this like to be clear this team is better th- i think my top line takeaway from this is like this team is better than austin p but you know yeah. and this team in with a bunch of things going wrong for uga and it would have to be a bunch of things like that have already gone from you- wrong with uga like in the culture and all that business then yeah it could be um, i don't know it, it, you know they could upset but that's not going to happen like no especially that, coming
1: off the coattails of the last two games
0: yeah that problem the problem is that like that kind of those issues that those cultural issues would have already had to have been happening you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. and i don't know the, like the reason that app state beat michigan was not that app state was a better team than michigan it was that app state came in and wanted to play and Michigan had a bunch of bad cultural problems on that team and a bunch of guys on that team who just like didn't like the head coach you know what I mean so I don't know I, I wouldn't be you know this is not a game I think we're gonna lose but we are currently a 32 point favorite uh you know honestly the only other subjective narrative i have is how much is do we see out of justin fields there's been a little bit of rumbling this week about like you know justin fields didn't play that much last week and we actually got some questions about it so i'm going to kind of save what i think about it towards later but i do think it's gonna be interesting how that is handled going into this game and you know there are people that are talking about red shirts and all that stuff um and so how that's handled going into this game i think is very very interesting what I mean, what do you think? Do you think the plan is to redshirt him? Do you think that we should redshirt him? Do you think, wh- what are your thoughts about how we've handled Justin Fields to this point? Because if you're gonna redshirt him, it's very silly to play him in this game. Because you only can play yes. him for four games, you know what I mean? So Yeah,
1: yeah, and that's something I actually say later on uh, in our Things We Want to See segment, is I think this isn't a game we play Justin Fields in, because it is the third game of the season. It's closer to, it, more probable that we win this game than not. So you think, and- it, hold on,
0: that isn't a game? That we i him, like we're not going to play him.
1: I ho- I hope we don't. is is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, I hope we don't, just because it, it doesn't make much sense to play him now, especially if something happens to Jake Fromm. And but then again, like if something happens to Jake Fromm, then we might, you know, if Justin Fields has a great season following a Jake Fromm injury, you know, God forbid, uh, we probably keep him in, based off of what we saw last year, essentially. Or following, you know, into next season, we put Jake Fromm in and see how it goes. And if it goes poorly, we put Justin Fields back in based off of whether or not we had a good year with him this year right. following a Jake Fromm injury. Right. So it's, it's a lot of weird situations, but I, I feel like it's not something we would want to spend this early in the season, especially against it. Like, like, it's great experience for him, one, sure. But maybe hold on to it just in case the worst happens. It's kind of like an insurance policy thing for me. Okay. What, was um, what do you think?
0: I don't think they're going to. I mean, I, I, I don't think they're going to for a couple of reasons cuz I don't think they plan on redshirting him because mm-hmm. I think that they I think that what it comes down to is a depth thing and has less to do with like who's going to transfer. I think they're thinking a lot about who's going to transfer and if they had decided to redshirt him they would have already told him. But if they really think that he's their second team quarterback then they kind of can't Redshirt yeah. him. you know what i'm saying like if he genuinely if he's not just the second team but he's literally the first guy in and if if from gets injured which i'm assuming is the case then mm-hmm. they have to prepare him as though he's going to play and that's going to mean him getting snaps if you want this team to go far I, it wouldn't shock me if he didn't play oh i don't know it might shock me actually i i just i really don't think they intend to redshirt him i think that you know i, I was listening to waiting since last saturday and they were talking about how you know, the value of a red shirt and, and there is a lot of actual value to redshirting Jake Fromm. For sure. In the, in the sense that like, if you can redshirt him, then you get a, you get a year between him and I said Jake Fromm, but Justin Fields. That's okay. But if you redshirt Fields, you get a year between him and Fromm in the system. And that like really makes your timing work better. I just, my concern would be, and I think Kirby is a forthright enough person that he's probably talked to um. Kirby seems like a pretty straight shooter to me. I don't know, I could be wrong. But um he seems like he's probably talked to Fields about this already, but like I get the suspicion that with a lot of current college quarterbacks that if you get red shirted you're thinking about transferring. And I don't yeah. even and and I'm not even saying that like, oh you dumb millennials, like you're so stupid with your haircuts and your insta snaps and blah blah blah. I, I'm <laughs> saying, you know, like I think that's I think that, that is a very natural outflow of college quarterbacks knowing that they have leverage and taking advantage of the power that you have they have and you know if you're upset with that like i don't know kick rocks like whatever um not that the wsls guys were not upset about that i'm just saying that um i think that the one concern we have is that if he gets red he might just walk because you know he wants to have a chance to play and he can he can pretty much go to all but two or three spots in the nation and start He doesn't really strike me like that kind of kid, but I do think that's something Kirby would probably be thinking about. But yeah, I think the biggest concern is just like, it's hard to decide that you're going to redshirt your second string QB when QB injuries happen so often. But I don't know. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're right. But what you said about insurance is totally true. I mean, now that I think about it, it wouldn't shock me too much. But I also just think that they don't want Matthew Downing to play two halves against an FBS team. To play no. half against an FPS team, as good as he seems to be at this point, um, the fr- freshman walk on, and so I mean you don't want to run Justin or you don't want to run Jake Fromm out there for two quarters. So that's I don't know. They're kind of running up against a it is it's like kind of
1: the worst kind of champagne problem right now I think with them. Well, I guess I guess I'd look at it like this. There's two options at this point. We either redshirt him or we don't. And what those scenarios look like is that we either hold on to him until we have him play again at UMass. Right. And then any cleanup duty, maybe again in the playoffs if we make it to the playoffs. Right, and that doesn't make much sense. He might play UMass, he might play Georgia Tech, and if he does that, and then we redshirt him, then you know he's kind of right. We, and, we've and, used and. him up for the playoffs at that point, and then we just have to play him if we need him in the playoffs at that point, and then he loses the redshirt anyway. But I guess do you have to declare the redshirt first before? No, you you declare no. it at
0: the end of the end of the game. So I okay, I kind of feel like that he might. They, it is probably one of those things where, from Kirby's standpoint, he's just sort of like week in and week out on it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Where he's like, uh, ah, we'll think. I think we'll play him this week," and I don't think it has. I don't think he's thinking of it in like a loss standpoint. He's not thinking of like what can we lose. He's thinking of what we can gain. You know what I'm saying? I think he's thinking, mm-hmm. "Well, you know, it makes the only downside of not redshirting him is dealing with playing time issues." But on the other yeah. hand, if you don't redshirt him, you kind of also deal with playing time issues if you just play him a bunch. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you really think he can play, you know, either alternating or in the second halves of, if you really think that he can play in SEC caliber football team, uh, football games, then maybe you just don't redshirt him and just say, screw it. That's how we deal with playing time is we just play him, you know? Yeah.
1: But then at the same time, he's not starting for the next two years you know, from now. And that that sucks. That does. But then at the same... I don't know. It's a weird situation. Like, you want to make sure you invest in your, your starter, but... But then the other thing is, like, there's a, there's a tale... There's a,
0: there's a tale of this this distribution where, you know, there's, there's a possibility that Fromm goes to the league after next year. hmm You know? There's a possibility that Fromm gets hurt. I mean, God forbid, knock on wood, and then it's a major injury. So, I mean, I, yeah. I just... I don't think we really can take anything for granted right now. And I think that if we got kirby to be honest that's what he would say too Is he's not even thinking about that and no. that that's one of those coachisms where i actually believe him i think he actually has a plan but he just knows how crazy football is and he's not trying to get too tight on it
1: yeah um, so if justin fields were to transfer where do you think he'd go
0: i mean penn state he committed there at one point now nah, penn state mm-hmm. he backed off of them
1: and that's happened before where yeah, players have done yeah, that they he's kind of the
0: problem is the first the first like default answer is bama But he's kind of blocked at Bama in the same way he'd be blocked at UGA right now.
1: In a way, because if he transfers, he's going to have to... He'll have to sit out. Wait a year out anyway. So if he goes to Bama after this year, or, you know, if he goes to Bama at the end of this year, he looks more like Jalen Hurts than he does Tua.
0: Yeah, but since he's not a graduate transfer, I don't even know if he can go there without getting blocked.
1: Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Who knows? We don't deal with, uh, you know... We don't speculate. That's not really our thing. We speculate with statistics. I realize
0: that we just speculated for like 10 minutes, but yes, we usually don't speculate. Okay, so let's get on to the actually preview. So what do we know about MTSU?
1: I did some research. You've got
0: some history, don't you? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I learned a little bit about the Middle Tennessee uh, Blue Raiders, as is their nickname. They're from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. They got their name way back in 1934. This is a little tidbit of information that I thought was funny. The... Nickname comes back from uh, the time of newspaper contests when they put it in the newspaper that anybody could pick the winning name of the new Middle Tennessee football team back in 1934. And a guy named, uh, it was actually a football player for Middle Tennessee named Charles Sarver. He won five whole dollars from the Murfreesboro uh, Daily News with his winning entry, Blue Raiders. And years later, he admitted that he just stole it from Colgate University, who was also called the Raiders. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. they didn't have a name before then. Before that, most teams were called like the yada 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 teachers or the pedagogues or the normalites. The pedagogues and
0: the normalites?
1: Yeah, that's just apparently those were names of football teams back in the day. Before they were like there was a time before actual, you know, football team names, like there weren't bulldogs, there weren't mascots, there weren't bulldogs or volunteers, governors, all those guys they were just called a uh, more standard what's a like a rote name a name that just didn't matter because it w- wasn't always students necessarily it was like a group of teachers that played along with students or this right and that. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: yeah yeah i mean and, and at one point like the mascot was separate from the name of the team which is yeah. still sort of the truth in um in like
1: europe european soccer mm-hmm. exactly so there's that and also uh, Middle Tennessee has one retired jersey. It is for Teddy Morris. He's a quarterback from sixty two to sixty five. He won three consecutive championships in their league. They have been to eleven bowl games, with which seven of those have come in the last ten years. They have a four seven record when going to bowl games. And I'm not talking like they went to anything crazy or anything. They went to like the GoDaddy bowl game and yeah, but other bowl still games pretty, I've never heard of. Still bowl pretty, games. Pretty good. So they've gone to seven in the last ten years. Uh all this to say they're they're not you know a random pushover team this is a team that you know has a, a pretty decent rivalry with like oh, yeah, the I mean, tennessee team and like other teams they're, in well, they're, they're and... a
0: dark horse in their league this year i mean they they, are, they have yeah. to be they have to either beat marshall or you set uh, upset fau to really do anything but i mean they could they could definitely upset in their conference this year and actually yeah. la- last year um they beat they actually beat an fbs team they beat syracuse last year going in
1: they did yeah you know,
0: in the past, they've given scares to Vanderbilt. In the past, they've—I mm-hmm. uh, don't know—they've—they've they've definitely scared some people. They—they uh, they beat uh, Middle Tennessee thirty to twenty-seven at Syracuse. So, jeez, Middle Tennessee beat That's... Syracuse thirty to twenty-seven at at Syracuse.
1: So, and they have a lot of returning talent. They have a, a quarterback who's coach's son.
0: Yeah. So let's let's actually get into that. Let's tell us what we know about. You know, let's let's we've kind of gotten into the history lesson. So let's talk about the. The stats. stats. So with the SP um, line. Yeah, I've got the s&p line for them. They're one and one. They've got 0.9 second order wins, which means they were a little unlucky, but not necessarily un- unlucky. They're in the 23, uh, 23.4th percentile of SP, uh, which gives them a 99 overall rank. So they're in the bottom 20. They're the ninth ra- 90th ranked offense and the 97th ranked defense. Um, their special teams is 105. Last week they were 113 and they actually went up 14 spots. To this point this year, their schedule, and man, a more prepared podcast would have already gotten this <laughs> pulled up because I looked at it and then I was like, ah, okay, I remember that, never mind. Yeah, so to this point this year, they uh, they dropped 61 on Tennessee Martin and won 61 uh, last week. First week of the year, they lost 35-7 to Vanderbilt. They are just sort of a, a step up in competition from Austin P, but still not a particularly good FBS team. However, I would say... At their level, at sort of their conferences level, M- um, MTSU's level, uh, at the CUSA level, they have the you know they have the potential to be sort of a scrappy athletic school. They've got a lot of skill talent. They actually had a pretty good. It was undersized, but athletic defense last year. Uh, they were going to turn a lot of production in their front seven. Uh, their safeties are pretty good. They had a couple of cornerbacks retire or retire uh, graduate i guess retire and then they also had but they have some transfers in they have a they have one transfer from another fbs school i forget who it is uh from what school he came but um for a cusa school is actually a pretty good cusa school like third or fourth best school in the cusa probably on offense uh they brent stock still uh, returns a qb he was a very explosive player he got injured last year they were five and two with him and two and four without him last year So, I mean, he definitely was sort of the, he was the engine that made the team go. Richie James is a returning star at wide receiver. He had over a thousand yards last year in an injury-sortened season. I think this will be interesting to see if they choose to shadow him with DeAndre Baker, I will say as an editorial note, because I think it might be possible that they just make, um, they make, uh, they just make, you know, Campbell get on uh, their best wide receiver just to test Campbell, you know, in a game like this. Um, and you know Tyreek McGee should be coming back this week, so that'll be a, an ample test for the boys in the secondary and more practice that they probably need, honestly. Um, let's see, other stats-wise, let's see. So kind of transitioning, so that's sort of where we are on MTSU. Um, we can also talk sort of what stats we think can, are going to be important going into this game. We sort of covered things for MTSU, but I think UGA stats that are interesting to me Justin Peel's only played 16 snaps last game. I have to imagine that goes up. I I, I cannot imagine it. Um, I'm also interested to see what middle linebacker play looks like, especially in, the, in regards to USC averaged 5.7 yards per carry or yards per catch last week. And I think that that is probably not only the average, but also the median catch. Like if you line them all up, I think most of them, like the distribution of where the catches were, they were mostly in that range, which, you know, I think is backed up by the fact that if you watch that game, we kind of got victimized over the middle a little bit. Like our, our linebackers just got it thrown over their heads quite a few times. So I'm interested to see what that looks like. Because this is definitely a CUSA team that like, they'll spread you out. They're going to throw underneath. They've got little speedy guys. Like we should still beat them, but like that's what they're going to try to do. So I'm gonna, I'm interested to see what is their yards per catch average? What is their yards per attempt average? How explosive are they? How efficient are they specifically in the passing game? I mean, that's all about all I got stats-wise. We can talk about some more narrative stuff. For these games, it's always kind of hard to pull stats because, I mean, frankly, we just should win. Uh, we yeah. can talk some more about stats that we want to see, but um, I don't really have any more stats going into this game. Do you have anything else?
1: No, uh, I mean, it's it's pretty much what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, not, not exciting, not sexy. Yeah,
0: I mean, it, this is a game where we can definitely find out more about this team at the margins, and there are a lot of margins of this team, um, which is a stupid way of saying there there is like sort of an unspoke and an unheralded amount of youth on this team that is trying to get playing time and i think that the the quality and the depth of that youth is such that for georgia to reach its best potential they need to get playing time so in that sense i'm interested to see does like channing Tindall play or whatever you know ultimately we're both going to predict a win for this game so i think yeah. the more interesting thing is let's talk about what do we want to see and let's talk about over-unders and predictions and just say, and see what what are we trying to get out of this at? If this is truly a game we should win, truly sort of a cupcake tune-up, whatever you want to call,
1: what are we, you know, what are we looking for? Let's see. So you want to look at things you want to see? Um, yeah. Yeah. But do you want to go first? Sure. I was just going to say a game that starts and ends on time. Yeah. Just based off of everything going on yeah. uh, with this hurricane and everything, yeah. we're pretty far out from the coastline but still we're supposed to see a whole bunch of rain and
0: obviously like uh thoughts I, not i don't want to be flipping about that like thoughts and prayers to anyone who, for sure especially if you are currently listening to this which we do have some virginia coastal based on the downloads page we do have some south carolina and north carolina virginia people that listen to this so mm-hmm. um i hope you're out of town i hope that you're somewhere safe and batting down the hatches and please stay safe but, yeah, I mean, that is going to be an interesting time. I've heard rumors that MTSU's athletic director has come out and said that he is willing to move the game if need be. I would say that the way that – I mean, what based on what I know about the logistics of the game, if they're going to make that decision, they're going to have to make it,
1: like, late Thursday, early Friday. No, they, oh, no, really? you got to make it way earlier than way that. Way early? Way earlier. Because, I thought it was going to be closer to game time.
0: Yeah, well, the problem is that just if you think about – like just there's a take, lot of
1: things that go into it. Yeah. Take
0: the fans out of it, right? So just pretend that you think. And this is this there there's there's a point where you get to this point where you say, okay, I really don't care how many fans can be there. We need to play this game for our record. And, you know, even if we lose some fans and we lose some stuff from the gate, I'm comfortable with that because, you know, if we don't if we have it at seven, it won't we won't finish the game. So if you get to that point, here's the problem: the problem is you have so many people that need to know that the time has changed who are not fans and that might not even care about UGA football, right? Because you've got hundreds of sports staff. You've got thousands of people working the stadium for stadium security and stadium, you know, management. You've got hundreds of people from local churches and schools who are volunteering to run the concession stands. You got 500 people associated with the band. You've got uh, security and police needed for the dog walk. You've got, gbi and police needed inside of the game you've got uh you know 100 150 200 press passes slash just like random people who have passes in the stadium you've got recruits on top of that you've got sort of like big money donors who have all sorts of these like vip opportunities you've got old lettermen so it's the one, it's the kind of thing where like there are a lot of stakeholders who are not even like your average run in the mill fan um and so even if yes every fan could change time and could like you know make that decision for themselves you still would want to do it as early as possible and i i I think really friday night's probably the latest they would do it unless there is some sort of like the only way i could see them changing it on saturday would be if like you know overnight friday night it goes from being like okay well we're probably just going to get a lot of rain to saturday night the forecast is for 45 mile an hour winds then i could see a change which Um, it's
1: very unlikely at this point at at most we'll probably just be playing this game in the rain yeah i i, I you hope so you'd hope so. yeah we really hope so and it's it's gotten down to like a category three at this point there is a chance i know at this point overnight tonight that it goes back up to a four or five yeah but it's becoming increasingly less likely which is very good
0: yeah i mean there's still lots of problems for south carolina and north carolina but it does look like yeah. we're gonna miss most of it so yeah yeah i think that's
1: that's something to definitely look for you got anything else like on the field welcome to the weather hour I you know, back to what I said before. I just was hoping that we don't see any Justin Fields time because, like I said, I hope that we use you know he's more of an insurance piece than he is kind of mop up time and he plays in garbage time. I really don't want that. That that's kind of my biggest thing is I hope we you know we save Justin Fields for later. Um, I'm sure there's we haven't actually even talked about it. We no, nobody really talks about other potential red shirts, I guess. But I feel like we do have other potential red shirts that we could. Oh get yeah, into. we have a lot
0: of potential red shirts. I I, I kind of think.
1: But any big names that really matter, I know Zamira White is going to get redshirted. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's a medical redshirt. At this point,
0: other than Justin Fields, the depth across the thing is that most people come in their freshman year not thinking that they're going to play, and so what that means is that most other you don't have to worry about anybody transferring for the most part because they didn't come in thinking they were going to get immediate playing time. So I think for a lot of these kids, that decision is going to be made like in
1: January. Yeah that makes sense because i i mean i know that we have a few like four and five star players like jamari sollier who isn't getting much play time we've got some third and he's fourth played a string. little bit but yeah you're he right. has played some um third and fourth string like tight ends that haven't played at mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. um yeah. they're four and five star Fit- players fitzpatrick
0: and so. will probably get the
1: second tight end luke ford already played in
0: both games but fitzpatrick the second freshman tight end will also probably get he'll probably go down he'll probably take a red shirt
1: and then the rest of our defensive players are pretty much just in our depth chart then they're yeah definitely necessary so they probably won't get red shirts for the most part
0: well i mean i think there will be a few but i also just think that's something that's just going to be you know depending on injuries we'll see at the end of the year so what i want to see is i actually want to see justin fields in the first half i think Mm -hmm. let me put it this way if we're gonna play him we need to see him play in the first half because he just needs to get snaps um i want to see no injuries i want to see as a little bit of a hurricane as i can the smallest spot of hurricane possible please and you know i already kind of covered this i want to see inside linebackers that don't look flat-footed in coverage that's kind of that's all i got
1: do you have any players that have not got a lot of play time that you would like to see more of this game?
0: I'd like to see Mark Webb play a little bit. He's a yeah. red short sophomore wide receiver. I think he's got a lot of potential. I think this is the kind of game where maybe not for this year, but for next year we need someone tall and good, so I'd like to see him because, um, you know, um, we're going to lose a lot of the wide receiver core life next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to see... I'll possibly gain a lot, but I also I would like to see how Channing Tindall looks. The inside linebacker freshman. He's played a couple. He's played in a couple of places, but Channing Tindall is probably the body and the skill set on this team that is closest to Raquan Smith. Um, I think that
1: you have a budding romance going on with Channing Tindall.
0: No, I Channing Tindall is like the girl I see across the room at the coffee shop, <laughs> and she's kind of quirky. And you and wonder she, and, like and what and it she could looks be like. like. She looks like my ex, and I just wonder. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm dating I'm dating Richard Lecount right now, for sure. Richard, Richard <laughs> Lecount, ride or die. Just I was thinking more like a
1: next year thing,
0: maybe. Yeah, knows. Channing Tyndall. Richard Lecount is like my rebound girl that like right, you know drives a motorcycle and is like super reckless adrenaline junkie. Yeah, short skirt,
1: long jacket situation.
0: Yeah, yeah. But also just like one of those people who it's like, ooh, it's sexy how like much of an adrenaline junkie you are, and then you find yourself like strapped into some jeep upside down and going upside going up a cliff and you're like, it's less attractive <laughs> now. Um, when we went to the tarantula farm, this stopped being such a cool thing. <laughs> uh, I mean, I knew you liked millipedes, but Jesus. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, just those good, good stats that you're coming for. Um, oh, Hey, I, Hey, having said stats, I do want to say this. You know, I know we've been a little stats light these first two or three games. And part of that is this is a little inside baseball, but part of that is that, um, we steal everything from Bill Connolly SB nation stats. God, you sure and we do. we've never been particularly like quiet about that or tried to hide it because that's just what we do. We, we, we think that his stats are effective and a very smart way of looking at football. And that's, he's got the best of successful numbers, So that's what we use. Yeah. We but are the messenger every year. He makes these things called uh, advanced statistical profiles, um, which are just like basically landing pages for advanced stats for each team. And they have what the most important thing is the advanced stat box scores and the advanced stat box scores give you uh, really broken down into subcategories, the entire numbers for every game. Um, and that is what we are missing to this point this year because he's revamping them to do some cool stuff with them, but also simultaneously they are not there. Um, they don't exist. Yeah, they do not exist um, right now. So hopefully they come back from this game and we can talk about line yards per carry and Havoc plays and S&P Plus um, adjusted offense and stuff. I really, really want to get back to that, but literally right now we just don't have the numbers on a per-game basis or we mm-hmm. would have we would give them to you um all right so let's talk about some over-unders yeah, yeah hit me one. one hit me one
1: uh over under Blankenship zero well field point, goals.
0: Point 0.5 point 0.5 is the number you're looking for yeah because you, five, you, you right. can't go under zero. you can't go under zero you're right i'll he's, go point 0.5 you're right he misses a field goal so va- so badly that they take another one away um <laughs> i'm not saying he's gonna miss any field goals i just you're don't just think saying, he'll be he put into a any. field goal position um i'm gonna say over okay because I, I, I don't think that when we have the first team out there that a drive will stall, but I don't assume that the the first drive will stall, but I can see, like, a, Ju- a Justin Fields drive stalling, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Just one where he's just handing it off, handing it off.
0: Yeah, or, like, you know, uh, Praether Hudson's in, and he's a
1: good player, but he's a walk-on, and maybe... I'm going to say under. I'm going to give him the good under, because in my world, this, uh, this game that I'm building... Justin Fields doesn't play, which is most likely unlikely. Um, he will probably play because I think that he's just going to keep getting playing time every game as much as he can. But, uh, you know, in, in this this game that I'm building in my head, he doesn't play at all. And we just continue to play a conservative yet efficient game where Blankenship does not need to kick any field goals. Um, What about I'm I'm I have a growing crush on Elijah Holyfield, and I think he is the truth, as some would say. And I think that he's going to get two touchdowns, one rushing, one receiving. Really? Okay. And I guess an over uh, under there would be just two touchdowns. I just went a bit of a touch further and defined them as to what they were.
0: Man, I don't I don't know why this like blew my mind. I'm I'm just I need to think of it. <laughs> I, okay, okay. So here's the thing. Here here's my thought process right now. This is okay. why I'm pausing. I don't think Swift is going to get in that much and our depth isn't that great behind him. Yeah, I, I'm going to say over, but I lean push. Okay. I think two sounds about right because I don't I think they want to save people. Do you want get... to Actually, uh let, let me let me give me
1: give me under. Give me under. So under 2 total or what do you think? Do you want to define it further? Give me I I think that he will have I think he will have
0: one rushing and then be pulled out of the game, like not like he'll have the opportunity at two. But I think like I, I think we're gonna see a lot of Prather Hudson in this game. Frankly,
1: okay. I think we see more Brian Haryan in this game, or yeah, or Brian Haryan or whoever. What was I think that somebody actually asked? Yeah, they did. We have an ask CBC later about Prather Hudson. We'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say push. I think he gets a rushing and a and a, a receiving. I think Swift is actually gonna get. A touchdown and maybe 40 50 yards and get pulled point over under 0.5 rushing touchdowns for fields
0: i'm gonna say over i think he gets one because i think he gets he's gonna get
1: in but i know you don't so that might be a pretty easy answer for you <laughs> i'm gonna say under yeah what are his how many does he have any rushing touchdowns yet already no he doesn't he doesn't but i, not, I didn't think this so. is the kind of game where
0: he definitely could
1: i don't know like this isn't we don't want to use him unnecessarily like back to the insurance policy thing we don't want to we one don't want to use them unnecessarily and two we don't want to put him in situations that are higher risk than not and i mean it's not up to us to decide whether or not he decides to scramble on a play sure but is it going to happen who knows i don't know i think under and you say over
0: um so next over under 20 stats for 20 snaps yep over under 20 steps for um jake Fromm. i'll say over. Yeah, I'm thinking over two, mainly because I think we're going to have a bunch of long drives. So even if he's in for like three drives, he could still probably do it.
1: I think we're going to have a lot more short drives where we control the ball. I think we're going to have a lot more... Our, our run game is going to be much more prominent than our passing game. I don't think it's going to be a 50-50 like the Austin P game was. It's going to be more run-heavy than pass-heavy. And we're going to get a lot more snaps in for our, our running back core, I think. Because of that, I think we might just have Jake Fromm taking snaps a bit longer call me crazy And what did you say i could i think that
0: we're gonna see probably i think it'll be i think it'll be over but i think it'll be over by like one or two like i think he'll be in for like the first three or four drives and that might be it for him like i don't i think in a world where justin field or where justin fields plays you don't see jake from in the second half at all all right so do you want me to re- oh let's do let's do some predictions
1: so, let's do a prediction real quick Paint me a picture Nathan. Paint me a beautiful word picture.
0: I'm going to say here's my here's my guess. We're going to get up big early. I don't know, 24 points maybe something like that. Um we might it might be like 30 357 or something. And then we're going to put in the second string. I think our second string, I think we're going to score some points on second string because I just think we've got a lot of talent but I also think that we're going to make some mistakes, some mistakes. So I could see the second string putting up a couple more touchdowns but also losing a cut to a touchdown back just because you know, Latavius Brini gets in at safety or something. He's on the scout team right now, but there's, you know, some cornerback who is taking one of his four games today. So I'm going to say 52-17. 52-17.
1: That's a bold prediction.
0: Yeah. I just think I think this team can score 41 on if you could score 41 in South Carolina and you come to play against MTSU, you should be able to just pick your score.
1: I I agree with that sentiment, but the part I don't like we we thought there was going to be a whole lot going on in the Austin P game. We still, sc- I mean, we scored 45 points, but it was just very simple, run of the mill plays. I think it's 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 kind of a wonder that we got to 45 in the first place. I think that we just tired them out, and we we still played like five minutes less of a sixty minute game. So I, I'm still I'm really impressed that we even got to forty five points in the first place. But based off of uh, my thinking that our run game will be more pronounced this one, we'll just kind of uh, we'll play through our running back core. Uh, I don't think that we will have a lot of uh, blanking chip opportunities, any field goals. I think if anything, we have one max. Because of all that, I think we'll just have a pretty efficient, easy going, easy going game. Just a little romp between the hedges. I think they'll score 42 and they'll pull 14 in you know in garbage time, which will be most of the game. But by garbage time, I mean late third, fourth quarter, and maybe I think there's a chance they get an explosive playoff somewhere in the game and grab a touchdown from a, a deep pass.
0: I also, I also just, I mean, I think both of us are sort of predicting the same thing, though, honestly. Yeah, we are.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a big, big, big game, and uh, I, I don't think there's a chance. I, I don't think it's, I think it's less likely this game that we go. Uh, it's a shutout than it was for the Austin P game. There's just a lot more returning production on their team. And they yeah, have yeah. a fantastic quarterback that has some targets. They have a good running back. You know, it's it's not a bad offensive team. It's a better offensive team than Austin P was, but their defense is a bit worse. So we'll see what happens. The stats don't lie. Yep. So yep, yep, we yep, have, yep. as always, if you were interested in getting onto the show, you are always welcome to send us a question through our email chapelbellcurve at gmail.com or on any of our social media platforms you can hashtag ask cbc with a question you want us to answer on the show and you will be featured in this segment week to week so our very first ask cbc comes from hannah schaefer she asks how much do we have to worry about with kentucky's new qb or do you think it is still too early to tell what you think so Kentucky's QB,
0: Terry Wilson. He is a dual threat quarterback who he went to Oregon initially. He was a three-star coming out of high school. And he uh, basically didn't get any playing time at Oregon and transferred to Garden City Community College where he eventually became the number two, two dual threat uh, JC um, target last year or uh, recruit. As a question to whether or not I'm worried about him, I mean, worried like a bit much right now. I mean, and I don't mean that and to cast dispersions at him, but I just don't think that, I don't think Florida is very good right now. Like, so as of 9-8 right now, um, just to give you some context, like UGA is currently in per SMP plus, um, of course, UGA is currently ranked third. Kentucky is ranked 20, let's see, they came up 28 spots from 63 all the way up to 35. So that's very good. Uh, offensively, they are 63rd in the nation. Uh, defensively, they're 27th. Right. So even with that win, they're still just sort of like a good but average team. Uh, and Florida, on the other hand, is all the way down at 46th with the 76th ranked defense. So I mean, I I think he is going to be. I think he's something to be worried about. This in the same way that every player is going to be worried about, or you know, that I worry about every player. But as of right now, and he could prove me wrong, he seems to me to be the probably third best quarterback remaining on our roster on our schedule you know i mean in you know dual threat uh, quarterbacks always worry you to some extent because they're just sort of x factors in terms of doing things with their legs and he did look very good against florida but also like y'all florida is bad florida might win four games again this year like seriously they might um and so i'm i think it's a little too early to tell
1: long story short fan favorite ryan clark asks cbc do you think we'll score 60 points against mtsu over under and uh i'll we'll give you two over we already did one over under and the other over under is prather hudson 50 yards rushing
0: i'm gonna say under 60 against uh-huh. mtsu Yeah, yep. that's, that's un- uh, i think we could sp- score 60 if we wanted to um i just don't think kirby will yeah um and i'm gonna say over 50 for old prather prather's actually not that bad of a player so he's a he's and quite think, a good player and i think our third team offensive line is actually pretty good
1: i'm gonna give you over as well by the way i i foresee him doing maybe 60 70 yeah, I think it's I pretty mean, pretty decent. If we
0: just if he just gets the ball the
1: whole fourth quarter and we just feed him, like he can almost fall forward behind this line and get 50. I don't think that he we're going to see him like in the same drive like 3 or 4 times in a row, but I definitely think that he'll get I mean, two we or did three. against
0: South Carolina.
1: Yeah, that's true. We'll see. West Coast Mark asks, how many total future NFL players are currently on the roster?
0: All right, I have an answer for this.
1: Nathan has given a beautiful breakdown.
0: Yeah, I have 43 as the total right now. So here's how I am defining things, and here's my thought process. So I'm defining NFL players as at least one year spent on an NFL roster, not spent on a practice practice team. So like you get a contract, even if it's a salary minimum, and you play with an NFL team for a year. Okay? So I've divided this into possibles, likelies, and probables. Probables being dudes that like I think are just gonna get drafted. Likelies being guys that maybe they're young and I haven't seen a lot out of them but they project right now as these are guys who could play in the nfl i think if they continue to develop and or guys that are sort of like borderline cases where like you know maybe they're experienced and they have a lot they've played a lot and they look really good but they don't have necessarily the um sort of nfl prototype skill set and then possible being one of two things either a this is a very talented freshman but you know someone who we haven't seen play a lot or someone who you know they just have to keep on improving Or B, this is a, you know, an older player who has a lot of experience and looks like they could be a borderline NFL prospect, but if they get in the right situation could end up like David Andrews, you know, kind of thing where they are, uh, you know, undrafted, but end up playing for a while. Okay, so in my possibles, and all of these, I could be foolish, by the way. um, But these are just these are just based on a what I've seen from them and B, what their sort of recruiting profile is. Okay, so like, um, Tyson Campbell, Zemir White, James Cook. Those are really good examples of recruiting profile guys. All three of those guys could not be in the league at all by my, by their senior year. But I'm just saying those are three freshmen that sort of project as being possible NFL players. But then you've got guys like Nate Patrick, Jay Hayes, Julian Rochester in the possibles. Those three guys are, you know, I mean, good players have played solid. Uh, Rochester is only a sophomore, but you know, um, i don't know that i've definitely seen like the dominant skill set out of them right yet right yet but they do sort of have nfl size and you know strength uh quay walker monty rice robert Beale, channing tandle luke ford justin Schaefer, trey hill um those are just two freshman offensive linemen who just project they look like nfl offensive linemen solomon kinley walter grant charlie warner jake camarda uh good punters are hard to find uh, not really, but I just think he's a very good punter. Michael Barnett and Daquan Hawkins-Muscle Muckle I have under, possible. Likely, I would define that as, given that this guy continues to develop, he will probably get drafted and doesn't get hurt. So likely I have Brinton Cox, Justin Fields, Richard LeCount, D'Angelo Gibbs, Riley Ridley, Jeremiah Holloman. Those two are kind of projection picks, but, you know, sue me. Elijah Holyfield, Isaac Nada. J.R. Reed, Tyreek McGee, Jamari Sawyer, and Ben Cleveland. The only freshmen, the only freshmen, God, the only freshman I have on this list is Jamari Sawyer, and I will admit that that is a little bit of recency bias because I just, I think Jamari Sawyer when he figures it out is just going to be like a surefire NFL player, very good, yeah. Uh, Probable. This would be like usually just guys that are upperclassmen that I'm pretty sure are getting drafted unless something crazy happens uh mccall hardman terry godwin deandre swift jake Fromm. i know weird but i really do think jonathan ledbetter deandre walker demetrius robertson deandre baker lamont galliard andrew thomas and rodrigo blankenship yeah that gives you 43 so 20 possible 12 likely 10 or 11 probable i will admit some of these will look very very stupid in two years but that's just where we are sitting right now
1: our next question is from Michael Watson. No, I'm sorry, I lied. It's from Jonathan Ashley. What do you view as the area of our team that still needs the most development? I think our linebacking core still needs. I I don't think that they're bad by any means, but if I had to pick an area that I'd like to see more development out of, that we will get like the highest ceiling from, I think it'll be the linebacking core.
0: I I I, I agree with that actually. Um, I think specifically inside linebackers. I think um, what did I? Who do I hear this quote from? Oh, yeah. So I was listening to Dog Nation Daily today. And they were just talking about how maybe, like, the inside linebacking core isn't at a national championship level right now. And I take their meaning. I, I don't know if I would go so far as to say that. But I do think that, you know, national championship teams to this point have either had a transcendent offensive player that just takes over the game or have just been, like, at a decent level of good, to good in every position and great in some positions. I think this linebacking core is good. I'm not sure that it is, like high above average the way you need every position to be because we do not have a deshaun watson on this team so we need like basically every area of this team to be good you know what i mean we can't rely on a dual threat quarterback right now right now we can't rely on a dual threat
1: quarterback to you know get us all the way through the year michael watson asks agreed that we probably took from out of the austin p game too early but what's the ideal time you leave him in against mtsu give from first half field second half question mark
0: so let let's answer this question from the standpoint. Pretend that pretend that Justin Fields is playing. So how do you answer that question in that in that sense?
1: Yeah, with that I think it's it's cuz you want to be fair to them both. Is what it comes down to. You want to make sure that Fromm comes out of it feeling good. He you don't pull him because he played poorly and you don't pull him because he played too well. You you make sure that you're upfront with him and you let him know, you know, drive to drive what's going on, what you're thinking as a coach. You know, that's kind of what I'm coming at this as And then with fields, you make sure that you don't say like, we're going to play you at this time, or we're going to do this. You don't give him any absolutes. You let him know that we will when the time is right. And you give him some sort of tangible pieces to know when that time is coming, because you could kind of float the idea and kind of float the carrot in front of, you know, the horse's mouth sort of kind of thing. And then the time never comes. Or you can be very honest and upfront with him and say, we're going to leave from in until he does X, Y, and Z, like executes these plays properly in a game time situation. I think that that's, I don't know if that's how it's going to work. I don't know how it works. I'm not a coach, but if I were in that situation and I were like someone's manager, for instance, that's probably how I would handle it. But that's the only, you know, perspective I can kind of answer this from, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with your point of like, you want to be fair with both of them. Cause I think that's a really important, it's a really important aspect of this, just going back into the whole transfer thing. And you want to just, you got to manage the room and I don't even think this is like anybody spoiled. I just think you owe it to your players um but i i i think i think maybe there will sort of be um like like you were saying like benchmarks you want to see from from but i think the benchmarks might just be like okay you know once we get up two or three touchdowns and we feel comfortable and we look at what you've done on the day and we say okay you know you've made you've done everything we've asked you to for our prep for this game i think then you pull him yeah you know what i mean and i think i think i think that's sort of the right aspect and i also just think that like they're probably designing the game plan such that that is built into it, which is to say like they might have two or three drives scripted for from in which they want to see X, Y, or Z. Well, you know, I mean, honestly, the game plan is probably just like beat the other team. So they probably aren't thinking about that, but I do think that they they will let him play with the full playbook for the first couple of drives. And then I think after that, once they feel comfortable with the score, they'll probably take him out. I mean, because the thing is, you know, even up 31 against, um, Even up 31 against South Carolina, you know, they did have weapons. You knew that they were always one play away from scoring. So, I mean, it it is feasible. Like, you know, it makes sense why they don't take him out. I I think with this game, if you get up 24 to nothing, you probably feel pretty good. It's not, and there are no guarantees, but I think you probably feel pretty good.
1: Yeah. And I think it's games like this too, where you you start to work with Jake from outside the game uh, to prepare him for situations inside the game in the sense it's like, we're going to open up your playbook a bit more and give you a bit more autonomy to play with these groups of plays based on what you see. He is still a sophomore, of course, that's still like ahead of the curve for a sophomore quarterback. But I would imagine that you probably start looking at those sorts of situations just to prepare for later on down the line. Right. Am I crazy to right. think that? And these are the games where you would kind of put that into practice, right?
0: Yeah. You're always coaching.
1: Last question. Harrison at wow. Cool tweets. <laughs> For total S&P Plus, how are offensive, defensive, and special teams S&P Plus weighted? I assume it's not 33% each, so what is the breakdown?
0: Okay, so here's the thing. Um, I can give you an answer of what I think it is, but this is not a question that he's totally answered, and I don't want to bother him with it because I think it's out there. I just can't figure out what it is. Okay, So originally it was 50 50 defense and offense. In 2016, in January, uh, Connolly decided to add special teams. And um, the special teams breakdown that he got to, he went through the different aspects of special teams and correlated what the, the, like how each, how performance in each aspect of special teams um, interacted with the winning percentage, basically. Okay. So that's what you have to start with. So there are sort of like breakdowns within breakdowns, if that makes sense. Like there are, four, there are three major, major categories inside of SMP, and each one of them has subcategories, basically. So it's 50% offense. Right now, what I think it is actually is um, 45% offense, 45% defense, 10% special teams. In that side, under the special teams, the weights are 40 per, 44% place kicking. 24% punting, 14% kickoffs, 14% kick returns, 3% punt returns. That's basically the 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 closest correlation uh, to the weights in terms of like what helps you win games. Um, inside of S and P Plus, outside of outside of special teams, you have offensive and defensive S and P Plus, which is the f- uh, five K- five factors. Um, S&P plus like we talk about, like there are five factors that affect the winning of a game, right? Efficiency, explosiveness, field position, finishing drives, and turnover luck. Um, so they those five factors combine and make offensive and deep of S P plus rating. Those are then all come combined together with S P plus um, total, with S P plus um, into your S P plus number, and then those are those are added into second order wins, which is basically just the difference between what you should, how many games you should have won based on your SP plus numbers and how many games you did win. So, second order wins basically measures your luck. So, like, if your second order wins differential is negative one, that means that there's a full game in there between your games that you probably shouldn't have won, right? If you're, so, like, for instance, um, Clemson right now, uh, they are what, eighth? They were third last week. They're eighth this week. And the reason for that is the top seven, their second order wins are all two. Like, they should have won each game. Uh, and they did, right? Clemson, on the other hand, is 1.4, which means that like they basically had like a 40% chance of winning the game that they won, the the winning against uh, Texas A&M at some point.
1: Hey, something we haven't done in a little while because we haven't had any, but we got a a, a review recently. <laughs> yeah, do you want me to? I'm gonna I'm gonna share it with you. This one's from Lou from the Rose Bowl, and Lou gave us five stars. Thank you, Lou. Uh, he said. <laughs> In his title, oh my god, the clicking, and it says love the pod, but for an audio guy, and in parentheses he says, looking at you, Nathan, the clicking that one of you is doing on your mouse drives me to distraction. Five stars, keep it up, guys. <laughs> okay,
0: Lou, I have to admit, it's me.
1: <laughs> Listen, Lou, once we get
0: ads on this on this <laughs> podcast, and we're gonna get ads on this podcast. Don't 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 mistake me. Like I'll sell out the minute I can. Um, <laughs> Once we get ads on this co- on this podcast, and Nathan can afford a mouse that is not so damn loud and a mic that is not so damn sensitive, then it'll get better. But I, if I, if there is a way to make me stop moving while I am still alive, I have yet to find it.
1: It's impossible.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not clicking right now, but and I will also say a lot of times these are like pretty research intensive episodes, so a lot of times the clicking is actually necessary. The clicking is not me like just doodling. It's like.
1: That is us, um, yeah, researching on the go.
0: Actually pulling up tabs and stuff. This has been Chapel Bell Curve. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere you can subscribe to a podcast. You can get in touch with us on Facebook by searching for Chapel Bell Curve, by email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at chapelbellcurve. Go figure.
1: Oh, you know Uh, what? Check out our
0: website, chapelbellcurve.com. It has all our archives. It has some writing. It's just sort of a hub for all of the stuff that we do. If you enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please leave us a rating and a review, and we will read it on air and talk about how much we like you. We love you so much, Lou.
1: Lou, you're so good. I'm an audiophile as well. Anyway,
0: we'll catch you in the Classic City on Saturday. Until then,
1: go go dogs. dogs.